Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we are looking back at Michigan. We're going to give a uh, recap begrudgingly looking back at Michigan and breaking down the bets that we hit, very few, and uh, the bets that we missed. And we'll talk about that race overall in general. That's going to be how we kick the episode off here and then we're going to the indie road course the verizon 200 at the brickyard that's right no more brickyard 400 it's been a little while now two races now to talk in the road course and we'll get into that what are the data sets that we're looking at here what are the initial feelings the track stats etc heading into uh, the first of two back-to-back road courses for NASCAR. So then after that, we'll get into some picks. And I'm feeling pretty good looking at the board right now. Some of this stuff might be a little familiar. Some of the guys that we're calling out might be a little familiar, but we're talking about a little bit different ways of making money on some of these guys. And I'm feeling pretty excited about the picks on this episode and the card that we're going to put together here. So then for the first time in a while, this is a solo episode. So for the first time in a little while, we're going to have a little fills fired up, actually. That's right. And the topic is loosely around what's going on with the 42 team. So that'll be just a little teaser there for the Phils fired up at the end and related to the current events and also silly season. So stay tuned for that if you like when I go on little uh, mini rants. But actually, to super start here, we've got some breaking news within the last couple hours for gamblers out there as some some absolutely major news um so this is really coming to me through a couple different outlets uh as most people athletic the athletic was where i first saw it uh where espn is partnering i guess you could say with Penn entertainment so the, the chronological way that i found out about this stuff was i saw an article that espn was merging or partnering with Penn entertainment and they were going to be putting together a sports book offering and where my mind was was isn't Penn the one that's backing the barstool sports book and so then you know I, I pull up instagram and the first thing that shows up is dave portnoy talking about how he bought the company back from Penn. and so wheels are spinning you know sent that article off to a couple folks i'm still thinking at this point that barstool will be existing and espn is coming into the game uh but as it turns out, this is why I call it kind of breaking news as of today, Tuesday afternoon into the night, um, it appears that Barstool is kind of out of the game as far as sports books are concerned. And ESPN will just be kind of remodeling the Barstool sports book, which is what was being backed by Penn Entertainment to begin with. Um, so when you're kind of putting the clues together there, it kind of makes a little sense as to maybe why we saw a bit of a redo. We saw a shutdown for like 48, 72 hours a few weeks back. And since then, things have just been different. As far as the NASCAR gambling is concerned, it's been a lot different. We haven't had as many markets to bet in. The lines have not been what we're used to seeing from the Barstool Sportsbook. Things have just been different. And I'd have to imagine this 
is kind of part of that. Um, they, they must have started a head start there. And the word is that the ESPN bet, as they call it, will be available in the fall. So I'd have to imagine if you're behind this from ESPN standpoint, you got to get it together for football season. That's probably what they're concerned about. So, um, if you are a Barstool Sportsbook user, you need to be paying attention to it. I'm definitely uh, very intrigued by what's going on here. I've got a, a good chunk of change in the Barstool Sportsbook and need to figure out, you know, is it just going to transfer over um, seamlessly? Am I going to have to do anything? What's going to happen when they do make that change? Is Barstool officially out of the Sportsbook game? It seems that way. But I, I want to look at this from two different angles here before we get into the full episode Um and the first is Barstool's. Uh, you know, if it is the writing on the wall here that the Barstool Sportsbook is just done, they're not going to do anything in that, you know, realm anymore as far as a business is concerned. I'm pretty shocked by that, honestly. You know, that this to me would seem as if it happened pretty quickly in, you know, their face. Um, maybe the Penn ESPN relationship was starting to build over a little bit of time. And Penn was the one that kind of forced that remodel as they knew what was going to be happening. But uh, I feel like, you know, if I could take a guess, Penn and ESPN were talking and in the last minute kind of tuned in Barstool as to what was happening. Then Barstool, you know, Dave Portnoy bought it back and now they're kind of out. Because if you look at it, I mean, they've been opening up sports books all over the country. Um, we've got one in Philadelphia. The Scottsdale one is very big. They did that around the Super Bowl. Uh, they just opened one in Nashville where our guy Derek Yoder was there for that opening weekend. I mean, they've been advertising. They've been putting a lot of money in these brick and mortars. Uh, so to be kind of just getting out of that game altogether seems very strange at this point in time. Maybe uh, I'm missing some things that are out there in the news, or, or maybe we'll learn about some stuff later. But from a business standpoint, from Barstool's perspective, it, it just seems kind of odd, very odd to have this happen. Now, from ESPN standpoint, I, I guess as a gambler and as a NASCAR fan, we got to have some hope that they come in and they infuse some life into the NASCAR angles and the markets. But uh, I'm not holding my breath, that's for sure, because if the new remodel or the new you know update of the barstool sports book is any indication then they might not be giving us the time of day but who knows you know this is the worldwide leader in sports you'd have to imagine they're going to do something different um, especially with the fact that fanatics is going to be getting into this very crowded sports book market here in, in just you know a few months the way that they're going to you know differentiate each other uh, is by you know promos and markets and things that they offer. So that's what's going to be intriguing as a user of these sports books. So um, I, you know, if you want to look to Fox as a kind of a direct competitor, as a TV, you know, station uh, that has sports, I mean, Fox has NASCAR for half the season and they really didn't do anything with their sports book. It's really kind of garbage. So you got to hope that they do better than that and we'll see. But uh, some breaking news here on a Tuesday afternoon into nighttime, and you need to be paying attention to that if you are someone who is a consumer of that app. So very, very exciting way to kick off the Tuesday episode here, um, and from a solo episode episode standpoint, that uh, definitely some good talking points. So wow, yeah, we're, we're going to have to keep our finger on the pulse for that one and see where it goes. So then... Maybe, maybe I'm just trying to delay the inevitable here. Uh, looking back on Michigan, uh, my goodness, just absolutely brutal 
weekend at Michigan. That is for sure. Um, so just for starters, I mean, I had Ty Gibbs. It felt like everybody in the world was on Ty Gibbs to win the Xfinity race. And um, I kind of just bet it and then forget it. And then I just couldn't lay off it. I had to keep checking my phone uh, and, you know, saw he was leading and, and then ended end up losing to John Hunter Nemechek in the end of the day. Um, so that was like, okay, you know, whatever. I took a swing there, plus 450, whatever. On Sunday and then Monday, uh, things just did not end the way I wanted. I, we hit two bets total. All right. So the card that we finally put out on Sunday morning on Instagram, as we do every week, we hit two bets. It was a Chastain top 10 at a little bit minus money. It was like minus 125. And then Truex top five plus 125. Not shabby right? Not too bad, but everything else, I mean, just not only did it miss, but they all individually had good chunks of the, the race where I was feeling great about them. All right. I mean, we'll, we'll start, I mean, and you're feeling great and then they let you down. Let's start with Bubba Wallace. We had him at plus 1500. We talked about him a lot. Derek was our guest last week and, you know, he and I were both on top of Bubba Wallace outright he was looking fantastic in the first part of that race 1500 number was looking fantastic the top 10 number was looking great we had him head to head and you know i think it was against ryan blaney and that looked great for most of the races blaney was not really that awesome so yeah bubba first half of the race we were cashing those tickets in my mind and then just kind of fell apart like what happened? They had an extra pit stop towards the end of the race. And, uh, that was really all she wrote. And you're sitting there going, wait, whoa, 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 what, what happened here? Like we were, we were sitting pretty and now all of a sudden he's, you know, muddled in the, the middle pack. So brutal there. We were on Harvick, uh, as, as kind of just like you have to be going into Michigan at plus eight fifty, And he was just gross, just absolutely gross. Uh, from a betting standpoint, you know, if you had him outright, that was uh, disappointing because he really didn't show any speed at all. And I'd have to imagine no one really had him in a top 10 because his number was just absurd. It was over like minus 250. So unless you parlayed that, no one really made out on Kevin Harvick last week. He ends up with, you know, snagging by the, you know, hair of his uh, chinny chin chin, a top 10. Uh, so salvaging that day, which is good for the team, right? I mean, it's good to kind of take note of that as we get into the playoffs, like a team that's able to scrap for some good points. But uh, as far as the betting angle is concerned, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people had him top five. We had him top five. That's for sure on our card. And that's not getting the job done. So very just bad day overall for Harvick. Um, we had Stenhouse over Eric Amarola, and that was looking good for a majority of the day. And then, boom, you know, Monday comes around and, and things just go haywire with the 47 car. Same thing can be said for Austin Dillon. He looked good on Sunday. And then, you know, he gets out of whack on one of the restarts. I mean, he was starting like 10th and gets out of whack, and it was a loose wheel. They come down pit road. They have to change it. It was a good call. Could have, you know blown the tire or something like that, or tire was going down or something. Um, so he gets out of whack and then boom, all she wrote for that head to head matchup against Eric Jones, who actually had a really good day at the end uh, for Jones. But point being Dylan was winning that matchup for, you know, a, a good chunk of the race. So that was a killer. Another killer, Alex Bowman. We were on Bowman and, 
you know, he looked good leading laps up there in a situation where it's a must win now for the 48 and he was looking good. If he didn't win the race, you were still feeling, okay, we could salvage this head to head matchup, which was against Chris Busher, who mid race, you know, it was like fourth for Bowman, 12th for Busher. But uh, obviously, Chris Busher, who we'll talk about in just a bit, ends up fighting and clawing and winning the race. Now, Bowman uh, kind of tapped out of this head-to-head because he got caught up in a wreck. So you never really know how it would have gone down if you know he was still in the picture. I don't think he had the speed to win the race. But I also think that you know Busher got a little lucky that we went green for so long towards the end there. And, uh, you never know. I mean, if you can't win the matchup unless you're in the race, kind of like the lottery, right? You can't win if you do not play. And um, that's kind of the situation we're in there for that head-to-head. So that, seeing him get wrecked there was an absolute killer. Um, so yeah, just a lot of stuff that gave us hope, let us down in the end. Then, you know, shout out Derek, uh, you know, mushed us on the Ford bet. We, we, we called it out eight straight, uh, Ford bets. And, uh, you know, Derek talked us out of it, said, no, 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 we're not going there. And obviously Busher, a Ford driver goes out and gets it done. I mean, there's just something crazy about it. And I want to shout out to Jordan, from toolhangers.com. We talked about toolhangers a lot. He sponsors the one and done pool that we do with a lot of the other guys in the NASCAR betting community here with podcasts. And um, shout out Jordan because he was at the race. I was texting with him quite a bit. And uh, he was the first one that clued me into the fact that there was weather in the area. I woke up on Sunday morning just firing bets and had no idea that we would uh, have a shot at being interrupted or um, maybe not get going there. So he sent me a message earlier in the week, which was um, pretty interesting because Derek and I talked about the, the plus 250 number for Ford. And he was referring to the fact, I mean, he had a spreadsheet that he sent me where if you just get rid of the dead weight from the Ford camp, you'd be able to kind of spread around your unit. If you want to throw one unit on plus 250 on Ford, you could get rid of the dead weight like Harrison Burton, you know, Todd Gillen, um, you know, those guys down the, the end of the Ford camp and spread that unit out efficiently throughout the guys on top. And, you know, if you were to do that, you could be coming out making money. So in his breakdown, he, you know, used a hundred dollars as a unit and spread that hundred dollars out um, throughout the guys towards the the top of the the Ford camp, and he had five dollars of that on Chris Busher at that point in the week, and that would have won two hundred dollars. So uh, <laughs> would have worked out perfectly if we did that. So shout out Jordan. That's a good way to look at it when you're looking at these. You know, for things like Ford and and Chevy. You know, Ford. We were talking about them because of their win streak and because they were the underdog. So um, just cutting out the dead weight and using the or cutting out the fat. We use the fillet of the Ford camp moving forward uh, on tracks like that. That is a good way to look at it. So if you had done that, you would have come out with some money there. Uh, so good stuff uh, from him and good stuff from Chris Busher. I mean, my goodness, just overall solid race um, from that team. And it's really kind of shocking. Uh, I mean, I, I can't put my finger on it. Are they the real deal? You have to give them some props now winning two in a row on different style racetracks 
I mean, they are kind of setting themselves up for success here in the playoffs. I, Derek and I were talking about it. He, he asked me the question, you know, is he a, a top 10 driver? Is he, you know, top tier, I guess. And I said, verdict's still out. I, I said, when the contract, you know, time comes around, we'll see where he signs. And I think this season, at least, I mean, every season's different. This season, he is really making a push. Now, the question is, is he peaking too early? Probably. But now, I think he's got a real shot to be in that top eight. Um, he can make the round of eight because of how the tracks you know, work out and the, the speed that they're showing, the confidence they're gaining. Just very impressive here. So, um, good for Chris Buescher. And we'll see how we can make some money. We will be talking about him, actually, later in this episode. So, stay tuned. Um, but as far as the race is concerned, overall, pretty solid. I mean, I think Michigan gets a, a bit of a bad rap, as does Pocono. And I think both races this year you know, brought what they could to the table. And um, the fact that Michigan, you know, got postponed till Monday or got cut in half till Monday is a bit of a shame uh, because the race, I think, was solid uh, looking back on it. I, the first day on Sunday, I got pulled away from it, like in the middle. I was able to go back and kind of re-watch that getting ready for Monday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just good race for Michigan. A fast racetrack. There was some strategy involved, you know, some some tire situations involved. So uh, I liked what I saw, and I didn't see what the good race poll ended up being, but uh, I have to imagine it was pretty solid. So the only other comment that I wanted to make here was the fact that I you let me know is anybody was anybody out there able to place any bets in between Sunday and Monday? All the books that I use were completely shut down. No one would allow me to. Um, throw a bet in and I think that's a huge miss that would have been a great opportunity for the books to kind of re-promote like hey you know here are the new odds the new morning line odds going into Monday of what we saw so far and here you go and I think they could have taken on a lot more action um, and it would have been win-win overall but I didn't see any book offering that so that was a little bit disappointing because um, you were locked in with the bets you made and, and your bed was made so uh, didn't have a chance to really adjust especially when you weren't looking so good when we had kyle bush wreck out like right away finishing dead last uh, as, as that was somebody that we had talked about that was just a bad omen to start so uh, we weren't able to get re-aligned there going into monday so that's the only knock i have from the weekend uh but hey we move forward right Michigan's in the rear view. Now we move forward and we're going to the Indy road course. It's road course season here. We're halfway done road course season. Three races down, three to go. And we got two back to back. And that's very strange. Uh, it seems like NASCAR kind of put their schedule together and then like had to shove a square peg in a round hole here with back to back road courses the last three weeks of the regular season. That is very strange. Um, I'm not a fan of it. But, uh, hey, it is what it is. That's what we're going to have to deal with. So from an episode standpoint, you know, we might be talking about some of these same guys next week. I don't know. So looking at Indy Road Course, we have gone here two times. And, by the way, I, I did see a, an article in July come out that NASCAR was doing a little bit of oval testing. Maybe they're thinking about going back to the Brickyard. I thought I saw Denny Hamlin comment on that this weekend. Um, I don't know. Is that a locked-in thing? I, I might be wrong, uh, but it seems like they're flirting with the idea of going back to the Oval, and you know, I, I think I would be in, in favor of that. Um, I think we've got enough road courses on the schedule, and this kind of seems forced. But in any case, 
we finally have a little bit more data to go off of for this race track. Uh, two races, and in the two races, we're looking at the track sets here. The winner has started on the pole one out of the two times. It happened last year with Tyler Reddick winning the pole and going out and winning the race. And the winner has started in the top 10 both times. A.J. Allmendinger won from the eighth spot in 2021. Now, I'd be remiss if we didn't just mention that in 2021, it was an absolute debacle. A piece of the racetrack came up, caused all sorts of cars towards the front to wreck. We had Denny Hamlin up in the front. He's getting wrecked by Chase Briscoe. Um, it, it was just pure chaos in 2021. You almost have to throw that race out uh, just because of how absolutely batshit it was. Um, manufacturers go Chevy has won both the races there, but Toyota has been on a bit of a tear after Chevy went on a huge tear for a good stretch there from 2020 and beyond Toyota has been pretty hot, uh, since the Rova last year. So you got to keep that in mind as we're getting into it here. So, uh, this, you know, can be chaotic. Uh, even last year's race was, filled with some moments i think you could say um you know we covered race one but uh, 2022 race i mean we saw guys like using that cut through or whatever ross chastain like dive bombing it it just creates uh some some wacky results i mean turn one at this racetrack is just insane people using each other up just no respect whatsoever they're going to talk about it as if they're going to be okay going in the race and there's going to be some hurt feelings for sure um, after the race on Sunday. So the data set that we're looking at is pretty extensive, actually. There's a, a few different ways we can look at this and try to handicap this. The first and foremost thing that I'm looking at is the last nine road courses um, that they've been to. This is every road course since 2022 started. This is the next-gen car on road courses, and I think that's a good chunk of races. Nine um, is a good number to be looking back on. So we'll make sure we're calling that out, average finish, driver rating, you know, total speed, things like that. Then we've got three road courses. Like I said, we're halfway through uh, the road course schedule. So that's uh, something good to look back on as we've been to Coda, Sonoma, and the Chicago Street Course. And Indy itself is, is something we want to focus on, especially last year's race, how guys finished there, um, as opposed to maybe digging too far into the 2021 race because of that craziness. So uh, looking at the odds, Truex opens as the favorite. He's plus 400 on some books. I mean, I'm not a fan of that whatsoever. We're actually going to talk about him in just a minute here, but uh, he opens as the favorite and you got to think back. I mean, th there was a time where Chase Elliott would open at like three to one. So gone are those days. And now we're looking at uh, Martin Truex Jr. I'd have to imagine just Truex's overall success in 2023 is kind of contributing to that uh, because as we'll talk about, he hasn't been a complete rock star on the road courses, but we'll get to it. And then uh, Shane Van Gurgen is back. Is that's how you say his name? SVG is what I'll call him from here on out. He is back in the race and that's going to create some storylines. That's for sure. Uh, if that name sounds foreign to you, it's because it is, but he was the driver of the 91 car project 91 for track house. He went out and won the Chicago street course. It was a great story and a great thing to see. He's been saying that he's getting calls from NASCAR teams left and right. He's also going to be running a truck race in the near future. So stay tuned, uh, tune into the NASCAR betting preview show truck podcast with Derek and I, as we'll eventually be talking about him there. Uh, that'll be a fun conversation to have, but uh, SVG is back and 
We'll talk about him in just a little bit and my thoughts on how to play that. And then we've got bubble guys. And a lot of the drivers that I have kind of written down on my notes here are bubble drivers. So you want to keep your eyes peeled for how you can make some money on these guys. I think at this point with three races to go, you're not really going to be focused on points uh, unless you are right on the cut line. If you're Ty Gibbs, you know, Michael McDowell, they would probably be the ones looking at points. But outside of that, I, I think these guys are going for gold here. Um, so the, the bubble guys are going to be super interesting to watch at this race and next race. Um, and I, I think next race, I'm not going to be talking about Chase Elliott on this episode. And that's because uh, I don't think that Chase is going to win this race, but I do have high hopes that he is going to you know cash something for us next week at Watkins Glen so for that same reason I think some of these bubble guys who have a shot road course racers need to kind of cash in if they are in a must-win situation now because I think Chase is coming for him next weekend so let's get into some of these picks here and I think outrights are going to be a little bit more difficult to call out in this race and especially early in the week Um, so I'm going to approach this a little bit differently, and I'm going to take a page from our guy, Derek. Our guest last week actually planted something in my brain, and I can't get rid of it. And I'm going to try it out kind of in, in spades here this week. Um, but outrights overall, you know, I might call out a couple guys here and, and just give out their outright number and just say, hey, there's, there's somebody to watch. We'll probably, you know, I'll be clear if we're throwing it on the ticket or not, but uh, I also am reserving the the right to kind of watch practice, watch qualifying, and you know add some of those outright tickets um, to the card after the weekend unfolds. Um, but I do going back to what I was saying about a little bit different strategy here. I do want to go off of what Derek mentioned last week. He used Austin Dillon as an example. We saw Dillon as a hundred to one last weekend at Michigan, and Derek's advice was look at a book that allows you to cash out and throw something on a guy like Dylan because that value should change as the weekend unfolds. And I did that and it did change. And I was able to cash out for a 20% increase. Um, so I, I did not think Dylan was going to win the race. So I did cash out before the race started. Um, so FanDuel is who I use and, and they offer that cash out option. Now, the thing is I don't know and I don't believe they allow you to cash out once the race starts. Uh, I could be wrong there, but maybe some books do. So this weekend, I think we have some interesting situations here to be able to attack it that way. Uh, really just treating this like the stock market, trying to make money on some guys before the race even starts. And there are some names that kind of stand out to me, some long shots, you throw maybe some shackles on and you're doing that with the intent of seeing these guys do well in practice and qualifying and then cashing out before the race starts because these are not necessarily guys that we think are going to win the race. So let me give you an example. I got three guys that I'm going to call out here that are longer numbers than I would expect. All right. So I'm talking about somebody like, for example, Justin Haley. He is a hundred to one. All right. And Haley may not strike you as a road course racer. Colleague in general has not been good this year, but you know, he is someone at 100 to 1 that I think could maybe get you up to 85 to 1, maybe 80 to 1. Last year, he went out and he practiced ninth. Uh, he ends up starting 19th, but, you know, if he's got a good showing in practice 
and in qualifying. I mean, if he if he goes out and practices in the top ten, he puts it you know top fifteen. That number will go down. So you know, drop that number if he does that. You're betting on him to be able to you know come off the truck fast and and show some speed early in the weekend. If he does that, that 101 number drops down to 71. You might be able to cash out at a a, a profit there. So he's somebody that stands out to me. Another guy is a little bit you know shorter on the list, but has a bit more of a, a resume. Is Alex Bowman? Um, talked about how he had some heartbreak last weekend. He is 65 to one, and that to me is interesting. Um, his average starting position is 10th in NASCAR in the last nine races on road courses, uh, 13.0. He went out and he finished third at Coda earlier this year. Um, so pretty solid. And so far this season through three races, he's fifth in total speed on these road courses. So the fact is you throw something on Bowman. He has a good practice, a good qualifying because he has proven that that is possible. He's had speed all year, man, he does something good. Now you're looking at a a much shorter number for the rest of the you know, users out there to snag him at, and you'd be able to cash out. Do we think Alex Bowman's going to win this race? No. But if his odds drop like a rock, I'll cash out and I'll take a little bit of profit there for sure. The last guy that I wanted to call out, which is just insane number here, is Ricky Stenthouse Jr. I'm seeing him at 500 to one. Okay. 500 to one. And I, this is not a like misprint. This isn't a fat finger. This is actually 500 to one. Because if you look around on, you know, various books, he'll be like 400 to one or, or, you know, 450 to one. So 500 to one is when he's at on Caesars. Now I'm really waiting to see what um, FanDuel puts him out at. But regardless, I mean, let's, let's call it 400 to one. Okay. That number is astronomical. And last year in this race, he finished 13th. Now the way that this really makes a big difference is if there is a book out there that's going to accept a cash out during the race because he shows or he has shown the ability to perform um, decent in these road courses uh, you know throughout the race he, he hasn't necessarily had the greatest starting position and as a matter of fact it has not been good uh, he, you know practice last year 32nd he started around the same situation but then he worked his way through the field last year to finish in that 13th position so um, you're really going to need him to kind of come off the truck a little bit faster than that because there's only like three guys below him on the odds list i mean this season in 2023 he's 21st in total speed that's not too shabby that's not 500 to one worthy so he is someone that uh is just way out of there i I don't understand why he's being so disrespected um and, and maybe you know that really isn't a situation because uh if he does poorly in practice and qualifying them he might not be able to to get that profit, but it's a it's a bet. It's a bet, just like anything else. Um, so you're kind of, you know, taking this information and using it wisely. But 501 for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. just seemed crazy, considering the fact that he finished top 15 last year and uh, has not been overall shitty uh, in the last nine races. So. That's a good little strategy out there to look into. We're going to play around with it this week, and we'll see um, if we can do anything with it. I think because it's a road course, a little bit uh, fun to do something like this and and see what comes out of it. Now, let's talk about some of the normal, typical bets 
And I want to talk about two right off the bat as it pertains to Tyler Reddick. He is plus 550 to win. And how he is not the favorite is just crazy to me. Uh, plus 550, I consider this a pretty decent number. I'm going to take Tyler Reddick at plus 550. I know that I might come off as a schmuck, but I don't mind it. I actually expect from the this information that I have in front of me, I expect that number to actually drop. His average starting position in 2023 is 2.0. Uh, and we know that he's going to go out and he's going to practice well for sure. In 2023, this season, he's had a couple bad finishes, uh, but that was after winning Circuit of the Americas. But even with those bad finishes, you know, and, and by the way, the bad finishes are not going to impact what his starting his price is to start the race. So if he goes and continues to do his thing, practicing well, qualifying well, that plus 550 number won't be there. That's my point. But uh, even with those bad finishes this season, if you're looking at the total speed number, he's still first in NASCAR. Like he's the guy. He kind of took the throne from Chase Elliott here. Uh, so first in that stat in the last nine races, three wins, four top five, six top tens. His average finish is fifth in that time span, 13.3, but his driver rating is first, top of the list. Driver rating 23, first. Driver rating at Indianapolis, Indianapolis, excuse me, I'm I'm stumbling over my words here. Uh, I'm pulling a skybox, calling out first, first, first. Two races, driver rating at Indy, first. So there really hasn't been a fall off. I know that that was my concern heading into the season, moving over to Toyota when Chevy has been so dominant. Is it the driver? Is it the manufacturer? He has proven that he is a road course guy. So um, just a lot of good things here for Tyler Reddick on win the race. He is ranked first and it's not even really close. So plus 550, I expect that number to go down. I think that's uh, early in the week value we can take and I'm fine with that. The other thing that has my attention here is plus 120, okay? Plus 120 on DraftKings against Martin Truex Jr., who is minus 160. Get real. I mean, every single category, Tyler Reddick blows Martin Truex out of the water. Like, it's not even close. And what you could be saying to yourself is like, well, Truex has just been like really good this season he's turned it around and dude trust me like i know i'm i'm a truex fan i'm i'm following him um looking at a, a championship bet on him for sure like who isn't and so i guess that's why the books have him uh number one the, the favorite up here but to me this statistically is not even close because you know looking at speed just overall speed uh, Truex is 14th in total speed in the last nine road course races, and he's 11th in speed in 2023. He's third in driver. And by the way, Reddick is first in those categories. So um, <laughs> looking at drive rating uh, this year, he's third, but Reddick is first. So he beats him in that category as well. And going back the last nine races, I mean, looking at his average finish in that time span, he's not in the top 10 you know, as far as average finish in NASCAR. So what are we talking about here? I mean, at Indy itself, if you want to take that uh, into consideration, he's got a 15th place finish and a 21st place finish. So to me, plus 120 for who I consider to be the best road course racer right now in NASCAR and Tyler Reddick over Martin Truex Jr., who is solid, right? He won at Sonoma. Great. 
you know. But this is a different animal than Sonoma. It's not one that Truex has had the ability to race a million times in his life. So uh, give me Reddick plus 550 and give me Reddick plus 120 to be one other guy. And that is Martin Truex Jr. So that's how we're kicking it off here with some of these bets. Now I want to look at a driver in a situation that I'm kind of just letting the numbers speak to me. I mean, kind of jumped off the page. Sneaky. This is a sneaky pick, I guess you would say. Uh, this is Kyle Busch. I'm looking at Kyle Busch for a top five. He's getting that number at plus 160 on Caesars right now. And this is an interesting one, okay? Last nine road course starts for Kyle Busch. His average finish is 15.8. Zero wins, four top fives, four top ten. So it's kind of like an all or nothing here for Kyle Busch in the last nine starts on road courses. All four of those top five finishes have come in the last four starts. So that's where we're going with this. That segment or or that, you know, finishing order has been third, second, second, and fifth. And that fifth place finish, you know, plus 160 to finish top five, that fifth place finish at Chicago was when his speed ranking was absolute garbage. He was able to manage a top five finish. Remember that race started with him just dive bombing and getting pulled out of those like tires or whatever? Uh, He came back and was able to handle that race car for a top five. That's wild, wild, decent numbers on road courses overall. Not awesome, but this is a driver who's red hot if we're looking at a top five. Right. Not asking him to win the whole damn thing. I'm just saying, keep doing what you're doing, man. And we will be cashing this number. I mean, this year specifically in that eight car, he's got he's three for three. The only driver who is three for three in the top five. I mean, that is just insanity. So, I mean, lock me in here. Best average finish, obviously, in 2023, which is 3.0. Um, so just red hot, six and driver in that time span. He's fourth on the win the race rankings. This is a number that's kind of worth shopping around. I saw plus 160. I also saw him at plus 125. So I jumped on the plus 160 number, uh, but we still are waiting some books uh, to drop their numbers. So, hey, keep your eyes peeled because if this guy, he, he might not be too fancy about it. And, uh, you know, Indy Road Course, exactly not really his thing. The last couple of years we've been there, but. He's been sneaky good this season and just kind of flying below the radar. So that top five number uh, really interests me. So keep your eyes peeled for Kyle Busch, top five. That's going to be on the card. Uh, Next driver is someone that, you know, we typically talk about on these types of racetracks. And we'll probably talk about them three races in a row. So I'm sorry if you don't like hearing about Michael McDowell. But the top ten market right now. I only see one book offering top 10s on a Tuesday night, and that's Caesars, okay? Uh, DraftKings used to offer top 10s last year. Barstool used to offer awesome top 10 odds this year. And then, you know, both of those have kind of gone gone away. I mean, DraftKings doesn't bring them back out anymore. Uh, Top fives is really the most you get. Barstool is really slow to, to get their top tens back up. And a lot of times they're not as good as they used to be. Um, so you kind of have to go offshore a little bit. Uh, MGM, FanDuel, they don't bring anything to the table for top tens, uh, at least in Pennsylvania. And 
looking at the Caesars top 10 market, it's just been absolutely nuked. Like we're looking at like minus 400 for a true X for a top 10, like get the fuck out of here. That's just ridiculous. Um, so you're going down the list and you're seeing like minus 200 minus 250 for some of these drivers that you're like, okay, I could probably get down on, wait a second. No, 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 no. Even with all of that said, okay. Even with this market being trashed by the books, Michael McDowell right now, I just took it plus 100. He's plus money for a top 10. I mean, that is just wild. His last nine races, one top five, six top tens, six for nine top tens. His average finish is 10.1. That's third in NASCAR in that time span. Driver rating, third in NASCAR, 97.9. Like, truly unbelievable. His top fives have been tough to come by, okay? But we're not looking for a top five. That's when I was cruising down the top 10 market. I was like, oh, no. Like, I don't want to have to take McDowell top five because it's a lot tougher of an ask for him. It has been over the last nine races, even though he's been solid. And then I saw him plus 100. I said, damn, you know what? We got to do some of this here. Um, his top 10s, I mean, a 66% hit rate for a top 10. That's damn good. In 2023, it's more the same. He's got two top 10s in three races this year. His average finish is fourth, 8.7, and his driver rating out of everyone in NASCAR, second, 101.7. Last year, in this race, Indy Road Course, he started seventh, finished eighth. Pretty damn consistent for Michael McDowell. Uh, I mean, just one of the best road course racers right now. You, you got to give him props where props are due so uh this is a guy clearly i don't think he's flying the blow of the radar from a like nascar talking head standpoint i think a lot of the shows are talking about him but the books at least caesars is clearly ignoring him a bit so i am pouncing on that plus 100 number because i think he's been as consistent as you can get on these road courses now if you want some more action on him you can get him at minus 105 so right there right there to beat one other driver and it's ross trastain now track house i think last year i would have avoided this bet ross chastain and track house just don't have that same oomph that they had on road courses last year i mean going into this race last year we saw suarez with victory we saw chastain with a victory on road courses uh not the same this year they've just been kind of off the speed hasn't been there. Um, so total speed, just for a, a reference point, in 2023, McDowell is second in NASCAR, whereas Ross Chastain is 14th. Um, just really something to kind of scratch your head at if you're a Trackhouse fan or a Trackhouse gambler. Um, and look, there are three more races to go in the road course season. So maybe Trackhouse, you know, there's been some some time off. They've gotten that package back to where it needs to be. I'm fine losing this head-to-head -head bet. Uh, if Chastain does turn around and then we can kind of use that into some of our picks later in the year. But right now, minus 105 against Ross Chastain for Michael McDowell. I will take that. He's two and one against Chastain this year. I think that continues on Sunday at the Brickyard. So McDowell got to give him a little bit of a, a shout out there because he's been super consistent. Now, let's shift gears and we'll talk. I mean, McDowell's on the bubble right he was in the playoffs to start the race last week and now he's just out uh, we've got gibbs now into that 16th spot and it's going to be fun to watch that 16th spot and i've got another name out here now that is part of that group part of this fun thing to watch and it's aj allmendinger so 
just want to throw his outright number out there right now. It's plus 1600. So he's in a situation where I think we need to talk about him because he is on the bubble. And I think AJ needs to win. Um, I think it may be a bit of a debatable topic. I mean, he's 24 points below the cut line. So yeah, things can change drastically. And if he goes out and he finishes like top five or something like that, and the other guys falter, then yeah, the, the landscape shifts a little bit. But um, I, I think pointing your way in might be a, a fool's errand at this point um, because of the fact that at any case, these last three races, someone outside the cut line could win. And then all of a sudden that 16th spot goes away and, and now pointing your way in goes out the window. So I think for that reason, you know, you, if you're the crew chief, it's a dilemma. It's a crazy spot to be in, but I think you have to prepare the the race to go out and win. Now, Colleg has not been great. Um, they have not been phenomenal, but this is a, a driver that has won at Indy before in 2021 when he wasn't even a full-time driver. Um, it was like a, a throw-in race. So coming into this year, I was thinking, man, full-time driver. He's back in the Cup Series. This is going to be great. Uh, I threw a tiny little bit on him to win the championship because I thought that he'd be running well normally, but the road courses, I thought he'd be all over it. And that just hasn't really been the case with A.J. Allmendinger at all. Uh, but this is his spotlight. This right now is his time to shine. He's got to get it right here because I don't think next week he's going to have the, the same uh, advantage, I guess you could say, uh, because of the man lurking in the shadows, Chase Elliott. And with only two races left, now the pressure's really ratcheted up. So uh, he's someone that I think we need to look at hard this week. Uh, now, he's one of two drivers who are two for two top 10 finishes at the Indy road course. Um, so my thought process immediately went to, all right, well, I want to see what AJ is top 10. And I just mentioned that market's just gross. And yeah, he's super, super short right now. So I don't want any parts of that. Last nine races, he's got no wins, two top fives and five top tens. His average finish, he's eighth best in NASCAR. It's 14.6, but fifth in total speed ranking in that nine race span. So, you know, maybe he's getting racked or, or things are getting squirrely and doesn't get the finishes, but he's been fast. That's the thing. Consistently has been fast. 2023, again, same kind of story. Hasn't gotten great finishes, but he's third in total speed. So, I mean, I might've said a second ago that colleague just hasn't had it, but the speed clearly from the statistics are showing that it's been there. So the top 10 number, like I said, not great, but this is how I want to play it. I'll probably throw something on AJ as an outright plus 1600 just to, you know, for the fact that he's on the bubble and I think he needs to win now at this race if he wants a, a playoff spot. But the bet that I really like is he was plus 100. Now I think a lot of other NASCAR gamblers have seen this and now he's minus 110, still an underdog versus SVG. That's right. The guy we just talked about who won the chicago street course uh just a few weeks ago came into nascar project 91 kind of blew everybody's mind and i'll be honest with you i didn't know who svg was until practice of the chicago street race um you know we had a, a party that day and my buddy nick who's been on the pod before he's our resident amarola fan he was over we were getting ready to head out to the 
the bar and we were looking at practice numbers on the TV and we're saying like, damn, this guy, you know, he, he's got something going on. So that was the first time like I ever really knew anything about him. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I knew who he was beforehand. Um, in the street course, he performed awesome. We took him top five. He ends up winning the race. But, and here's the but, the street course, I think, is different, right? You're, you're going into a track that is completely brand new to all of the drivers. And a, a street race is much different than an actual road course on a road course track where it's, you know, something that's set up for that. It just is. This race in particular is super physical. All right. These guys are going to be bumping and grinding. They're going to be sending each other into the grass. They're going to be using each other up. And that stuff kind of wasn't really happening at Chicago road course. So, or Chicago street course rather. So I, I think it's going to be a much different experience for the 91 car. And I think he's going to be getting knocked around a little bit. These guys saw him come in, right? If you're, a, if you're AJ Allmendinger or, or, or one of these guys who has been in NASCAR for a while and you've seen this guy come in and he wins i know they had to send out their you know congratulatory tweets but that doesn't rub you the wrong way like this dude comes in and is kind of making a mockery of our profession like he's making it look easy he can come in here and just win um i would have guessed i would say a top 20 would be good for svg now we need to see practice and, and i still don't think practice is going to tell us all we need to know right because it's not the conditions that's going to be happening actually in the race so he might go out and look really good in practice which would give me a little bit of pause right to to know that he's got a fast car and he's able to get around the joint but i don't expect a similar performance from svg um so i think aj if you're looking at between the two guys who do you think has a better chance of winning the race i'd say aj allmendinger so for that reason alone i'm taking aj in this matchup um but uh, the experience we're talking about a past winner at this track talking about a driver who has never you know driven a stock car on an actual road course before it's going to be getting banged around a little bit might not be too happy with it we had a, a couple drivers at coda you know coming in uh i forget who it was but maybe it was jordan taylor or, or somebody else just was kind of complaining about the physicality of the way the guys are just disrespectful and, and bumping and, and beating you into the wall and such so I think that's going to be more of what we're seeing this time around for SVG. And um, that's why I like AJ as an underdog in this matchup. So give me AJ because of all of those stats that I just reeled out there. And because I don't think the new guy is going to be able to keep up that level of intensity. So AJ over SVG, a lot of, a lot of letters in that one, that head to head AJ over SVG minus 110 is on the card. All right, I got a few more here. I know we're running a little bit long here, um, and then we'll get into the Phil's fired up. But I got to talk about Chris Buescher because all of a sudden he's a trendy pick. He's been a guy that we've talked about on road course races in the past on episodes where we're making some picks early in the week. And now he's going out and he's winning races two in a row on random racetracks, like style tracks. Um, he, he's blowing up our spot here. Now everybody's you know, going to be looking at him, giving him attention here. And for road courses, I was looking at the, the top 10 number, okay, because of what we're going to just talk about in just a second. But he is minus 160 for a top 10 this week. So obviously the sports books are looking. I mean, I don't know if it's because of the two back-to-back -back wins 
or if it's because of what we're about to rip off here with some stats. But uh, in any case, I was a little bit let down. So minus 160 is not my vibe. If I can shop that around maybe closer to Friday, get that a little bit uh, longer number, I might be interested in that. But the reason why he's so short, I'd imagine, is because he has eight straight top 10 finishes on road courses. That is insane. Eight of the last nine races and eight in a row is better than everybody in NASCAR. Like, it's not even close. Um, so we need something on him. In the last nine races, two top fives, eight top tens. His average finish is second, 8.4. He's fourth in total speed in that time frame. And it's just more of the same this year. I mean, fourth in total speed there, one top five. He's three for three, with the top 10. The only other driver who has three of those is Kyle Busch who has three top fives, um, and we talked about Kyle. So the, the consistency is something that we're really holding in high regard. How are we going to make money on Chris Buescher? Um, there's a few different ways. Right now, he's minus 125 against William Byron. Byron has been good this year, all right? Good this year overall, um, but not great on road courses. Buescher has him two to one head-to-head, and uh, all of the stats that you look at. Whether it's last nine races, average finish, driver rating, 2023, you know, laps led or um, average finish, driver rating, pass differential, whatever, total speed, it, it comes up Chris Busher across the board. Um, so in the last nine races, William Byron has two top tens. Okay. That is not even holding a candle. Chris Busher has quadruple that. Um, Byron had a fifth at Coda and that was his best he's had in two years, best finish he's had in two years on a road course. The speed is not even really close this season, fourth to 12th, uh, in total speed. Busher has that advantage there. So he's minus 125 to beat Byron in that head to head matchup. I think that that's pretty solid. I would play that if you want to get a little bit more creative with it. He is also in a group bet with Byron. So for saying that he could beat Byron, who else can he beat? He's plus 230 to beat Denny Hamlin, who has zero top 10 finishes in his last nine road course starts. And somebody named Brody Kotecki, Kostecki, I, I, somebody new, um, which I, I don't know a lick about. And kind of similar to SVG last time, maybe, you know, I'm underestimating him, but I will take our guy who is eight for eight in the last eight, finishing the top 10 and say, hey, any of you guys in this group beat me here, finish in the top 10, see if you can get it done. Uh, because of the three of them, they've got two top 10 finishes in the last nine races. I know Brody is a little bit of a cop out there with that stat, but still, I'm a little shocked about Hamlin. And the fact that you can get him plus 230, a little bit better value um, than the minus 125 against Byron. But uh, I like both of those. I mean, I, I think Busher is going to continue to just do more of the same. That team is on a high. And as we talk about, you want to ride that wave until it crashes. So I'm into that for sure. All right. Two more bets here to call out. And this one was one that surprised me a little bit. I'm looking at Ty Gibbs. He's an underdog against Ryan Blaney. He's minus 105. Now let's start with Ryan Blaney. He's got two top tens in his last nine races, but only three top 20s. Okay. I had no, uh, maybe I have, and, and just like every race, just like wipes my memory from races previous, but I didn't think 
I had a inclination heading into this week that he is so bad on road courses um, as he's been. His total speed in that time frame of the last nine is 21st in NASCAR's average finish is 20.4. And you say to yourself, well, Blaney's had a pretty kick-ass season, right, dude? Like, he's been fast. Uh, in 2023, his average finish is 28.3 through three road course races. That is absolutely crazy. Just disgusting. Um, now, it should be noted that Blaney did finish second on the Indy road course last year. We've got to call that out, right? Not going to try to hide the, the stuff that doesn't fit my narrative. Uh, but we want to look at Ty Gibbs now. He's got two top tens, and his average finish is 12.0. That is eighth in NASCAR in 2023. He has three for three finishing in the top 20. So that is pretty good, right, in this matchup because Blaney has not done that this year. He's 3-0 head-to-head against Ryan Blaney. He's seventh in total speed this year. Toyota has definitely figured out their road course program. He's driving a Toyota. Um, And so if you're looking at his total speed, by the way, Mention how it's you know overall seventh in NASCAR, but he's been getting faster every race that he's ridden on the road courses. So that's telling me that this young kid. I mean, we know that he's a, a bit of a prodigy. We know that he's very good. He's very young, and he's learning. He's learning on the fly, and clearly looking at the numbers that would support that. So um, looking at his you know win the race is where I went next. Okay, now I have to say this last week on the podcast we we talked about win the race and i'm i'm always very big on the discrepancies i talk about every week so you're probably sick of me bringing it up but it's been making us money except for last week the biggest discrepancy in a head-to-head that we saw was bowman versus busher and obviously we talked about how that flamed out this week okay in this matchup this is the greatest discrepancy that i've ever seen this season Ty Gibbs is ranked eighth on when the race is pre-ranked going into this week. Ryan Blaney is 34th. That's a 26-spot difference. I mean, come on. And it's for good reason for those stats that we just ripped off. So it's the biggest of all time, and we're getting Gibbs as an underdog, minus 105. Get real. I need this. Hook that to my veins, uh, and I will take that. Now, if you want a little bit more action on Gibbs, you know, you could flirt with a, a, a top 10 or, or a top five. Um, you could get him at plus money there for sure. Top Toyota. I know that Toyota has been fast, but we talked about how Denny hasn't had good runs. And Christopher Bell is like very hit or miss on these road courses. You're essentially looking at Truex and uh, you're looking at Redick, really. Uh, because Truex, I mentioned earlier, like he he's not a world beater on these road courses i mean he's got one win this year but the other two are like 17th and like you know 30 something this year um so he's plus 1500 to be the top toyota why not like why not a little sprinkle on somebody that's showing in his small sample size a bit of consistency here and if things do get a little crazy do get aggressive um you know i can kind of see ty working his way through a little bit and, and being there uh, kind of standing in the end, but um, that's just a throw in. Not sure if that'll be on the card or not. Just throwing that out there, a little piece of information, just kind of talking through it out loud. And uh, the the real bet here that we're talking about is Ty Gibbs over Ryan Blaney. Man, minus one hundred five. I can't imagine that number is going to stay put. The last bet 
that we'll talk about on this episode. Managed to go this whole time without talking about Austin Sindrick. And there was a part of me that was like, dude, I can't do it. I can't go back to this well. But I think it's worth looking at. So he's another bubble guy. But unlike our guy, A.J. Allmendinger, I mean, he's, he's much further back. He's 53 points out at this point. I mean, and there are times when Austin Sindrick has just been completely out to lunch. He has looked like a, a lost puppy out there at times. But you have to feel, if you're in that two camp, that you're pretty confident, like nervous, but, but confident heading into these last three races because the, you know, he's a road course guy coming out of Xfinity. He's, he's been touted as a road course ringer and he has the ability to win on super speedways. He's won at Daytona in the past. So he's a bit of a snake in the grass. I would say you don't want to discount the two car, uh, if they can try to turn it on here and do something about it. So he is 26 to one to win the race. Now that's a bit longer number than I would have expected. And the reason I'm calling that number out is kind of a little bit like we were saying, we started the, the betting conversation here, looking at drivers who you might be able to cash out early um, and, and maybe, you know, not cash out at all for Austin Cindric because last year in this race, he was first in practice. He qualified second. He finished second. So that 26 to one value um, that, that should diminish as the week goes on if you don't take it. So the fact is, if you grab that 26 to one, he does the same thing, man, I, I'd imagine he'd be like 15 to one or maybe shorter than that because uh, it's Austin Cendrick, right? Like if he proves himself in those sessions, then the books would have to adjust and, and you'd be sitting on a much better ticket. So, you know, that's the the kind of snake in the grass mentality that I think I have with Austin Cendrick um, coming into this. Now, you know, this year, uh, it's, it's strange, strange season for Cendrick. I mean, I want to go to Sonoma where I'm really left with a bad taste in my mouth because he was just awful, just awful at Sonoma. And we were on him going into that race, like pretty heavily and just completely let us down. And that's was the first real indication, like something's up with that two team or something's up with him. Uh, but actually it was pretty strong last week, right? Showed a, a little bit of life. And outside of that Sonoma, he's got two sixth place finishes on the road courses in 2023. In his last nine races, he's fourth in average finish, two top fives and six top tens. He's plus 100 for a top 10 finish. And so that's where we're going with this one with Austin Cindric. Um, That's where we're landing. It's a top 10 for Cindric at plus money. I do not think that will be there come Sunday. So I'm grabbing that and running with it. Uh, and we'll see if he, you know, screws us over again. But again, I, I think this is a driver that showed a little bit of life last week. You know, they came back in the Chicago street course after kind of confusing some folks at Sonoma. And I, I think the books have this one a bit wrong. So I'll take the plus money here when we've got a bunch of guys that are like minus 250, uh, minus 200, minus 180. Fuck that. I, I'll take a driver like this at plus money and, and say, all right, you know, let's see what happens. So that's uh, that's the last bet. I'll try to do a quick recap here. We'll go back the way we came. So Cindric, uh plus 100 top 10. We'll, we'll look at a 26 to 1 and try to maybe cash that out. We've got Gibbs minus 105 over Blaney in a head-to-head. -head. We've got Chris Busher 
looking at him. If we can get him at a decent number for a top 10, snag him. I haven't seen it yet, but the real pick here, minus 125 over Byron and plus 230 in a group bet. It's group G on Caesars. Um, AJ Allmendinger, minus 110 over SVG. Then Michael McDowell, top 10. He's plus 100. We've got him versus Ross Chastain, minus 105. Kyle Busch for a top five at plus 160 on Caesars. And Tyler Reddick, plus 550 to win and plus 120 to beat Martin Truex Jr. in a head-to-head. And that's in addition to some of those long-shot numbers we're looking to cash out early in the week. All right, so as I mentioned, we are doing a Phil's Fired Up this week and haven't done one of these in a little while. So I'm a little rusty. We'll get back into it. I'm sure we'll we'll shake the rust off pretty quickly here. The topic that I have that I'm just, you know, fired up about for for a couple different reasons. Um, One is the current event aspect of it. And then two is looking ahead to the future. And we're talking about the 42 car and, and Noah Gregson. And because some stuff went down within this past week that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and so I'll, I'll break down kind of what happened and then why I'm a bit fired up about it and then what I'm even more fired up about as the future uh, is, you know, we're looking ahead there. So apparently, uh, as best I can report this here, um, if you live under a rock, he was suspended for the Michigan race because someone had found that Noah Gregson, uh, and, and the part of this what I, I cannot find, is when it happened. Um, he liked a tweet or a meme uh, at some point, maybe on Instagram, of something that was making fun of the George Floyd incident from years ago. And that was found out, and Legacy Motor Club suspended him for the race. And that decision right there is obviously an in-house decision. It's Legacy Motor Club's call. They can do whatever they want because they own the car. They can do you know really decide uh, if it's raining that it's you know somebody's fault and they don't get to race. Whatever. That's their prerogative. Um, now, I'll also before we get into this, saying the reason this is such a big deal and the reason this is like just polarizing is because of the topic itself being politically related just gets so many people fired up and i you're not listening to this to hear how i feel about uh politics i will never share that Uh, my own wife doesn't know who i voted for in like the last three elections so i don't share those uh feelings with folks around like politics my feeling right now is just concern with the the state of nascar because legacy motor club suspending noah for a race is one thing but what confuses me and what has me fired up is nascar deciding that they would suspend noah indefinitely now that is a bit strange to me that is something that has my attention saying, wait a second, raising my eyebrows. This is strange. They're handling it in-house, right? If you want to give them sensitivity training, that's fine, right? If that's the, the thing that you decide to do. But uh, for the governing body of the sport to step in and say, 
hey, hey, you know, he's suspended. But after you're done suspending him, he's still suspended because we don't like it. Now, this is clearly an optic situation from NASCAR's angle. I don't think that they should have any real jurisdiction here. Um, and they are just trying to appease this like boogeyman of people who they think might be super upset if NASCAR doesn't do something like this. And I, I think that's a bit of an overreaction. I think Legacy Motor Club had every right to suspend Noah for one race. But after that, it's like, okay, let's move on. Um, because now we're getting into the territory of you not being able to just have an opinion. And it's not like this driver stated something, retweeted something as if it was his own thoughts and feelings. He liked a meme. Okay. And, and again, this is where you kind of have to remove the, the political element to this out of it and just, just look at this, you know, black and white. All right. Just on paper, this person likes a meme of something and is now unable to do his job. He is no longer has the right to work. That is just very scary territory as a business from NASCAR standpoint. It's scary as just a society um, that, you know, people disagree. Right. And part of disagreeing is, you know, making jokes and, and stuff like that. I still don't even know what the meme was because uh, no one seems to be reporting on it. Um, so you can't like something. You can't have an opinion without being punished for it. That is dangerous territory. I am concerned about that, that NASCAR, I, I feel like, is overstepping their um, bounds here and really shouldn't have any say in the matter i mean this is the club the the legacy motor club handling themselves uh internally and it's just jumping at the fact to like try to make headlines it feels like from from nascar standpoint it's very confusing to me i don't really get it garage guy chase put out a tweet that i, I just it really resonated with me and i feel like it was no worthy. I mean, he said, we live in a world where if someone doesn't like you, feels threatened by you or wants to see you fail, you can just search for shit you did slash said a long time ago, even if you forgot you did slash said it. And even if you've changed since, I don't really see how we're going to evolve as a society that way. I mean, 100% agree. Um, again, the, the topic to me, in this case, removed you're looking at this from above and you're saying this is crazy. Um, this doesn't make much sense. Now, we want to talk about, and the real thing that I'm, I'm kind of leading towards here is silly season um, and why I think that this is, you know, even more a bit ridiculous um, because Jordan Bianchi had a bit of a write up around silly season. And even before this went down, uh, he had Noah Gregson on the hot seat and kind of had him out at legacy. Now, with this controversy on top of it, kind of a manufactured controversy, it's looking more and more likely that Noah Gregson will be out at the 42 team and will be searching for a job next year um, with this hanging over his head and with NASCAR in suspending him indefinitely. Like, who knows? When is that going to be lifted? Will he get a chance to race this season again? Like, 
very strange all around. So now not only is it impacting, you know, the team this year, having to find drivers and um, Noah being out of a ride for X amount of time, but what's his future hold? If he was on the bubble in that 42 camp, and this is something that pushes him out, that is crazy to me. I mean, that is crazy. And I, I guess let's zero in on the fact that he was on the bubble to begin with before this. I don't understand why we don't give rookies or younger drivers more time before they shove them out the door. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. Um, I know that there are other factors at play, right? They're moving to Toyota next year. They can't. Toyota is a camp. Um, they, they like Eric Jones, and they have John Hunter Nemechek waiting in the wings. They need to find a ride for him. Can't wait around for Denny and Truex to retire, so they need a spot. I get that part of it. But if you're Legacy Motor Club, like, what the hell? How can you offer these guys rides and then just take them away due to quote-unquote performance um, after one one year? Don't get that. And then for this to be a potential nail in the coffin just really makes me very unhappy as a fan of the sport because I want to be able to see these young guys come up and get a chance to to thrive a little bit. Um, every sport has this situation, right? You could be a great quarterback, get drafted by a shit team, and then you're you know sent off to irrelevance after three years. I get it. it everybody has their own thing. If you're Austin Cindric, you got some nepotism. <laughs> your your dad's like the president of the club, and you're getting the two car. It's a little bit different. But as a fan of the truck series and seeing these guys kind of grow, um, we've got some guys that I really liked in the truck series who are kind of caught in purgatory right now in Xfinity. And I want to see them be able to take that jump. And Noah was one of those guys. And to see this kind of stunt his growth as a driver, I mean, Bianchi even mentioned him going back to the truck series, uh, kind of like what John Hunter did. Like, I, I think that's a different scenario. Gregson has proven that he is a really good driver in Xfinity and he deserves a chance more than one half a year so this whole thing it, whether you know the controversy itself the the fact that it kind of feels like we're we're not able to just have opinions or, or like a meme uh without being punished for it and drivers being uh sent out just for a half a year's performance with no real chance to prove yourself it's just all a bad leaving a bad taste in my mouth right now and i guess i don't know this part of the year is kind of weird we're like in the dog days of summer where headlines are, are kind of scarce and we're grasping at straws but this headline you know really has me um a, a bit down on the, the sport so uh that's why i like gambling on it because it kind of turns the the conversation in a different way and uh you know gambling on nascar really just proves to be the the, the best medicine for everything so that's the Phil's fired up this week. I know I'm touching on kind of a sensitive topic in a way there, but uh, just felt like I needed to get that out off my chest. So hopefully it resonates with some. And if it doesn't, let me know. I mean, I'm open for some good discourse there. So um, hit me up. All right. So that will be it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you for listening to this solo app. Talked about a lot of different things. And uh, we'll see what we can get cooking up for the Indy Road Course. And we'll be right back at it next week with Watkins Glen, another road course. So we'll see what we got going on there. 
Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Go. Hell no place to go.